Well, good evening. Paxton, Carson, Rebecca, thank you so much. Uh, Mark's Gospel, chapter 15, is where we're going to begin this evening. Uh, two readings, one from Mark's Gospel, one from John's Gospel. That'll be in chapter 19. Uh, it'll be on the screen as well, but if you want to read along, um, maybe put a finger uh, in John 19, and then uh, as we begin and continue uh, to worship through God's Word, um, let's look at Mark chapter 15, verses 21 through 39. Mark chapter 15, 21 through 39 says this. And they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. And they brought him to the place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him and divided his garments among them casting lots for them to decide what each should take. And it was the third hour when they crucified him. And the inscription of the charge against him read, the king of the Jews. And with him they crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. And come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes mocked him to one another, saying, He saved others, he cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross, that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also reviled him. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lema sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders, hearing it, said, behold, he is calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a reed, and gave it to him to drink, saying, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two, from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was the son of God. This is the word of the Lord to which we say, thanks be to God. I'll I'll start this way. Um, I just, I don't do Good Friday very well. Um, and And I mean that truly, and I don't mean it to be humorous. I mean it sincerely. Uh, I think I, I think I struggle and I wrestle on this day. I think a number of us probably do. Um, there's a lot of holidays that are easy. A lot of days that we celebrate and we gather uh, together in, and we, and we we enjoy in a very festive manner. I think I'm pretty good at Christmas. I have, most of you, I know, some of you are better than me at Christmas. You know what to do. There's this kind of understanding and these traditions and these things that you have. So like you'll bake cookies or you'll go shopping, you know, or you'll have parties and you'll have people over to eat or you'll go to the Cloutier lights or you'll do these like things that we do as people on this day where we commemorate and we celebrate in this season where we commemorate and celebrate the birth 
of Jesus. Let me tell you my tradition for Good Friday. I wake up and I feel bad. Does anybody else do this? I wake up and I feel terrible. I'm not bragging about this. So this is, this is not pious. This is not holy. I wake up and I feel terrible. I wish I didn't. I'm not good at not feeling that way yet. Because Good Friday, in so many ways, doesn't feel good. Why do we call it Good Friday anyway? Tonight, before us, we've got this cross, and it's towering, and it's large. It's made of wood. And it resembles historically that which we read about in the scriptures. And this one isn't stained with blood. Our Savior did not hang on this one. And yet today, this cross is harrowing. We remember the horror of Christ's death. The pain, the anguish, truly the blood that was shed for sinners like you and I. I think it's natural to look to this cross and struggle and contemplate and wonder and pontificate and think on the fact that we can't give an answer. What we just sung is true. But on this day, we can look to this cross and move from a place of guilt and shame, still having full recognition of our sins, but move from a place of guilt and shame to the place where we celebratory, or with celebration rather, we sing his wounds have paid by ransom. To where we move from a place where our faces and our hearts are somber to a place where we rejoice in the goodness that this cross portrays to us. It shows us, it reveals to us the very goodness, the very love of God. So this would be my charge to you and to myself on this holy day. Can we lament sin together? Can we lament sin, but don't lament ourselves? You're fearfully and wonderfully made. You're created in the image of God. That's good news. You know the bad news that comes with it. That you've sinned and you've fallen short of the glory of God. Lament that sin. But don't lament yourself in this moment. 
We can lament the horror of the death of our Savior, but we've got to rejoice in the fact that as we've read in John's Gospel over the past couple of worship services from Palm Sunday to last night, that Jesus loved us to the end. To the very end, Jesus has loved us. These words in Mark's Gospel tell us that Jesus is forsaken for our very sake. He is forsaken for our sake. He does this incredible thing where Jesus takes the words of Psalm 22. Psalm 22 begins in this way. It's my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? More proper in Hebrew, it's that Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. It's, it's, it's this, this Hebrew rendering, this crying out, this crying out of David to say, God, it feels like you've forsaken me. I feel abandoned. I feel alone. Neglected. Dismissed. Unseen. And it's poignant And it's beautiful because Jesus loves us to the end, even down to the place of our very human words at the most human and broken and despairing feeling of being alone. Of being ignored. Of being dismissed. Of truly being forsaken. Jesus takes those words, the words of David, but those are our words. Those are human words. And he says, I'm going to take everything, even down to the very words that you speak and redeem all of it. Every bit. Because I will be the one who is forsaken for your sake. These are the things that are happening as Jesus is crucified. There is propitiation. That is this fancy biblical word that tells us that God's wrath is satisfied in Jesus' sacrifice for us. Atonement. Truly, Jesus is making us at one, that's where we get atonement from, at one, at peace. Paul would say in this way in Colossians that he's making peace by the blood of his cross. We are given atonement. And then he's doing this thing where he's expiating. He's taking away all of our sin. Jesus loves us to the end. With fullness. Not forsaking us. Instead being forsaken for our sake. He loves us to the end in fullness and we can see this. And perhaps three of the most beautiful words uttered in Scripture in John chapter 19, verses 28 through 30. We sang it together a moment ago. John chapter 19, verses 28 through 30 says this. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the Scripture, I thirst. And a jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to its mouth. And when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. This is the word of the Lord to which we say, thanks be to God.
they're three of the most beautiful words. They're three of the sweetest words because they say everything in three words. The first of which is this. That my strength and your strength does not depend on my faith, but instead the object of my faith. Why is that? Because I had no part in it. It is Jesus who accomplishes salvation for you and I. Those three words, it is finished, are the hope of our faith. That Christ is the one who has made peace for us. That he was forsaken for us in order that we might not be forsaken, that we might be restored and have union with God. In John's gospel, as he records these words, he's also highlighting the beauty of Jesus who hangs on the cross and dies for the creation that he's made. He points us back to the very beginning. In using these words, it is finished, there is a very clear and direct allusion to a picture of Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and created all things, and then when he was finished creating these things, he called them what? Good. He called them good. He called them good, and in doing so, he proclaimed that he was finished. He rested. His work was done. But you know the story, and you know that that goodness only lasts for a couple of chapters in our world. Turn to Genesis 3, and you will see this beautiful garden truly become a gravesite. Where there was not death, now there is because of sin. And in that garden, Adam makes a decision and ultimately chooses not to do a bad thing, but much more than that, to not believe, to not trust in the God who loves him. Sin enters the world, and with it brokenness and death. When Jesus says it is finished, he's describing that which was broken being restored. He's describing that which was made to be not good is now good again. Because there's new creation in him. There's new life in him. So Adam makes this decision to sin and not trust the Lord, to not believe in the very word of the Lord, to turn inwardly inside himself and look to hope in himself and look to disobey the Lord in hopes that he would find life there. He finds none, death and sin enter. He makes this decision. And just a few chapters earlier in John's gospel, we see Jesus making a decision. In the synoptics, we see this picture of Jesus in a different garden. And this one's called Gethsemane. 
And in Gethsemane, Jesus obeys his Father. Jesus trusts his Father. And all of the brokenness and the pain and the stress and the face and brow that is filled with sweat that has been overcome by blood, none of these things turn him from his obedience to make a decision that will reverse everything. To undo the curse. In this garden, we see the beginning of new creation as the Holy One will go to the cross for us and take on our sin and our guilt and our shame in order that we might be the very righteousness of God. The one who knew no sin, who had sinned not, will become sin for us. Indeed, it is finished. I'm in a better spot than I was when I woke up this morning. And it's not because I made a great cup of coffee this morning. And I did. It was delicious. I wish you had been there. And it wasn't because Millie was out of school and me and I went to breakfast with her and had just a sweet family day. That was great. I loved it. I read the gospel today. And in the midst of all my sin and all my shame and all my guilt, I recognize that that's not mine to bear. Because it has been born for me. This Friday is good. This day is good. It is a day to contemplate on the gravity and the weight and the pain and the horror of sin but not to reenact it not to relive it not to go back to that place where I say I wish I hadn't done that I do that all the time I think you do too Christian, today is good because that sin is as far as the east from the west. Do you hear that? Do you know that? Do you come to this moment, do you come to this Good Friday with a beautiful and a penitent heart longing to confess sin but not feeling like it's enough? Or scared that the moment you prayed that prayer, you didn't really mean it? That you haven't been really faithful? You've tried, but maybe you're not quite there yet? You'll never get there. Me neither. I don't have to, and you don't either. Why? Three words 
it is finished. I want to invite our worship team to come and to do something that's a little bit different and maybe, I hope, start a tradition. How do we embrace the goodness, the beauty of what Christ has done? Not mitigate the weight of our sin and the gravity, the magnitude of separation, but yet celebrate and glory in and relish in that chasm that has been filled by this cross. Last night, a number of us gathered and we partook in the Lord's Supper in a Monday Thursday celebration. And as we looked into John's gospel, we saw this picture that Jesus gives us this meal, but he does so with a new command. That's why we call it Monday Thursday. It, it, Monday means mandatum Latin. It's, it's a command. That new commandment that Jesus gives in John chapter 13 is that we would love one another. That's hard enough. Jesus makes it harder. He says we're called to love one another as he's loved us. As Jesus has truly loved us. I can't think of a better way in a Good Friday service, a service where we're truly introspective, a time where we come and we think on we think on, we think towards, we contemplate the gravity of this cross and we can't even uh, it is a grain of sand. We, we can't even get to the depth But may we also, as we do that, celebrate the richness of what Christ has done. The writer of Hebrews would say this. That Jesus endured the cross, despised its shame. For the joy set before him. For the joy set before him. When Jesus says it is finished, he is taking the old creation that is broken and he's restoring it and he's making new creation. This is why Paul would say, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Jesus is making all things new, making peace with God for you and I by the blood of his cross. And he doesn't do it half-heartedly. In that garden... with blood on his brow, urging his friends to stay awake. 
those that he's loved, urging them to stay awake and to pray, and they fall asleep. He says, it is enough. My time has come. My betrayer is at hand. And he willingly, voluntarily goes to this cross for you and I. For the joy set before him. If you've trusted in Christ, if you've experienced the opportunity to be convicted by the Holy Spirit, to repent of your sins, the very sins that crucified him, and have believed, have trusted in the very life, crucified death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, celebrate Good Friday with joy. It was joy. It was with joy. It was in deep love that doesn't mitigate the pain, the anguish, but it is with joy that Jesus endures this so that we might be called children of God. No greater love than he who lays down his life for his friends. That's what John's gospel would say. And one of the most beautiful moments that leads to this cross is the one where Jesus says, I no longer call you slaves, I call you what? Friends. If you trusted in Christ, you are a friend of God. And he's gone to this cross with joy. Forsaken for your sake. So how do we worship well? How do we celebrate the goodness of Good Friday? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing what is, I don't even think you know this. This is my favorite song. This is like my favorite hymn. Maybe you do know this. I think you know this. Um, and then we're going to take a moment to confess our sin. We'll pray together and we'll confess sin. And then we're going to take a moment of absolution. Where we're going to look at one another as a royal priesthood, because that's what you are. The downside of me not going, being like a priest priest is I don't get the funny hat, right? But the upside is we're all priests together here. A royal priesthood, a holy nation. We're going to stand together. We're, we're going to sing together. We're going to confess our sin together, and we're going to confess. We're going to turn to look to one another, and in a Maundy Thursday, in a Good Friday way, we're going to do this incredible thing where we seek to love one another as Jesus has loved us. And if that person you're talking to that you know, and I encourage you to do this with someone you know, has trusted in Christ, I want you to tell them their sins are forgiven. That the guilt and shame was nailed to that cross and it can be born no more. Let us sing even now about the goodness of God 
and the blood shed, Jesus forsaken for our sake.
of this love poured out on us can we confess that we're often doubters we fail to believe in the fullness of that love that we run to other things and yet still see that Christ died for us I'd love to take a moment if you will bow your head with me our sin, Heavenly Father, 
you are merciful. And that mercy is seen truly in the cross of your son, Jesus. Father, we confess that we sin. Father, that that in moments we fail to believe the gospel, we turn from you. Father, we, we fail to do things that we say we'll do. Father, and, and there are things that, that we commit, things that we do that we long not to do. Father, we confess that we have deep need of you. Have mercy on us sinners. to believe in and trust in and recognize the very cross of your son Jesus which gives us that mercy it's in his name we pray amen and look here's what I would say if you have trusted in Jesus Christ leave this place in celebration leave this place with a smile Knowing that for the joy set before him, Jesus endured this cross. He was forsaken for your very sake. And it would be my challenge to you to remember um, this day is not a day in which we're called to reenact moments of confusion and despair. It is true that Sunday is coming, but we have a vantage point from which we can see that Sunday has already come. It's already come. So let's celebrate that. Uh, I think this will be really fun, and we'll try it, and two people will tell me, I loved this, and everybody else will say, this was the worst. Don't do this again. That's okay. I'd love for us to truly look at one another And I'm going to ask you to do something that's really pointed and challenging. I'm going to ask you to ask that person if they've trusted in Christ as Lord and Savior. And if they say yes, I want you to look them in the eye. And I want you to proclaim to them, Jesus has loved you to the end and your sins are forgiven in him. If they say, no, I'm not trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior. I want you to love them as it gets hard as Jesus has loved them. And share your story with them. And let them know about what Jesus has done and how he was forsaken for your sake. Sound good? Two people said it sounds good. All right, we're going to do it anyway. Um, Look. Let's take this moment and love one another and depart from this place enjoying the goodness of what God has done in the cross of his son, Jesus Christ.
thing to see the people of God profess faith to one another and to offer assurance to one another of the effectual work of what Christ has done on the cross and is finished. Uh, I'm excited to celebrate Easter Sunday with each of you to just be together as our as as brothers and sisters, as friends, as part of this local body and celebrate the power, the true work of wonder that we can't comprehend that is the very resurrection of Jesus who has died for us. We're going to say go in peace in a minute. We always say that. Uh, but I want you to think of it specifically tonight in this way. Paul would write this in Colossians chapter 1 that, that Jesus makes peace by the blood of his cross. Without this cross, there is no way for us to say go in peace. There is no way for us to experience peace at all. But you can leave this place tonight experiencing the joy with which Jesus endured the cross and know that you have peace with God through what he's done and his propitiation, his atoning work, being forsaken that we might not be. May we all go in that peace.